Are you in the HubSpot ecosystem and looking to engage with the industrial and manufacturing space? Are you in the industrial and manufacturing space looking to learn more about how HubSpot can elevate your business? Join Chris and Salim, two HubSpot solution partners with 25 years in the industrial and manufacturing space, as they explore the intersection of these two worlds. Through interviews with experts from both ecosystems, they will attempt to bridge the gap in the largest market we know today. This podcast is an independent production by Conveying Your Message and is not affiliated with or endorsed by HubSpot. The views, opinions, and positions expressed by the hosts and guests are theirs alone and do not reflect the views, opinions, or positions of HubSpot Incorporated. Any HubSpot employees appearing as guests on this podcast are not representing HubSpot in any official capacity and are sharing their own personal opinions. Welcome to Sprockets and Gears, the unofficial HubSpot industrial podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Sprockets and Gears, the go-to podcast for all things HubSpot in the industrial and manufacturing space. I'm your host, Chris Carolyn, and uh, unfortunately, Salim can't be here today. He's a little under the weather, um, but we are powering on. Uh, and today we have Bob Balm, a seasoned expert in adapting HubSpot for manufacturing companies. We're going to explore some of the unique challenges faced uh, in this sector and how HubSpot can really be a game changer to help with that. Uh, how you doing today, Bob? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, best wishes for 2024, I guess, uh, if we haven't done that. Um, no, I'm doing well. It's an um, uh, exciting uh, year coming up, I think, with some interesting projects regarding uh, um, the use of HubSpot in, in, uh, in uh, interesting spaces. So, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to what that's going to bring and... Uh, excited for uh, for today also uh, to talk about that kind of stuff so. awesome well, we're excited to have you um we like to start out setting the stage you know hubspot is uh, creating a new category of sorts they're referring to customer platform and i'd like you to share what that phrase means to you yeah it was a bit uh, last minute because i only read it to, just before we started but uh just thinking about it i think it's got two uh, uh for me it's got two meanings if i think about it um from one side, I was inspired, obviously, by the videos that you've sent me uh, ahead of this uh, this cast um, uh, about how you're using it uh, to basically build, literally, a customer platform so that all of the data that is inside of HubSpot, well, not all of it, but some of the actionable data that is useful for a customer to have is also available to them in a very uh, organized and, and neat manner so that they can interact with your business in a, in a different way. But then another thing that I think will also be um, something that HubSpot sort of likes to uh, put out there as a, almost a philosophy is to make it so that your users can, your HubSpot users can really um, uh, help your customers along their journey rather than doing the things that they need to do as a sales rep, like go through the stages or as a marketeer, I need to get them X amount of leads or whatever, um, is to really put them also in the passenger seat next to the customer and basically help the customer achieve things, right? So that for me, I think, is the, is the, the, the twin thing. And in a very practical sense, you can build an actual customer platform that customers through the CMS side of things can, can really interact with uh, the data inside of your CRM, but also just from a more strategic point of view, I guess, um, uh, you know, enabling your team to work together alongside the customer to create a fantastic experience for all parties involved, basically. Yes, couldn't agree more. Love that, love that <laughs> take. Um, now, taking that 
kind of a step back from that. You've been in this game for a while. You know, if you could share a little bit about your journey up to this point, there's been a lot of evolution of, you know, marketing in general and, and HubSpot and its ecosystem. So if you could just share a little bit about, you know, what you've been up to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been doing, I say, marketing marketing in general, because I mean, we're, we're talking about HubSpot, obviously it's got multiple uh, aspects to it, but my, my roots are in marketing. Um, and I've been doing that for about 10 years now, I think, uh, starting out just as a, a general marketeer at, at a general business uh, in translation. It doesn't really matter what, what business it was in, but that's where I kind of you know, first learned the ropes about writing a blog, uh, you know, uh, keeping a website up to date, sending newsletters. This was 2000. 11, 12, something along those lines. And um, I think it was there actually that I first got in touch with HubSpot through Copy Blogger, it was called back then. I'm not sure if it's still like a, an affiliate or some kind of sub subsidiary, but um, they wrote all this stuff about, you know, how do you write content for the web to create business out of it? And through that, I got into HubSpot, which um, at that point I thought was just mind-blowing like having workflows to automatically send emails with like a delay in between that was it was like magic to me and um uh, uh it's been something that I, I didn't start working with hubspot right away after that I, I spent some time working with another agency in the netherlands uh mostly implementing oracle eloqua which i don't know if you've heard of it but it's like a, a major enterprise back at the back in the day anyway um a marketing automation platform uh, which was very complex with a very archaic UI, as if you're back in 1995 or 19 something, um, which was quite challenging to work with. But that was been my my learning ground, basically. So when I finally did get into HubSpot, which was only about three, four years ago or something that I really started to work with HubSpot as the primary tool, um, that felt like a like a breath of fresh air obviously, because HubSpot had evolved much more at that point. Um, it didn't have custom objects yet, which for me was always the big thing that Eloqua has had since all the way in the beginning. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, it's it's been uh, a great journey exploring HubSpot ever since. Um, and it's something that, I, I, I so I come from marketing, B2B marketing has been really uh, what I've been doing uh, throughout my, my career mostly. Uh, helping companies set up like a demand uh, generation strategy, especially since that's been uh, sort of popularized by um, uh, uh, you know people like Chris Walker and stuff like that uh, the last couple of years. Um, but at heart, I'm I would say like an architect or, or a solution person. Like we have this MacGyver gene in the family, runs in the family, uh, where it's it's true. Like my dad and my uncle, my uh, cousin, they all, we're all sort of have this, um, you know, we get a, a, a Band-Aid and a paperclip and we create a tank out of it or <laughs> something like that. You know, that, that sort of, I want to solve problems type of uh, a gene and we're just naturally really good at it. So um, lately over uh, the course of the last few months, I've been moving more from marketing towards solution architecture, like really seeing what we, with HubSpot as the tool, but also like integrating it through like make.com or other stuff like that to, to other platforms like Aircall or, you know, OpenAI, uh, the stuff that you can do with that. Um, yeah, and just really trying to, to build, you know, crazy solutions with impact. That's kind of what I like, like to do, like build things that people go and look at and go, oh, I would have never thought of this. 
but that also solve like a business case or, or some kind of problem for a business so that uh, the end user does have, uh, have the feeling of, hey, this is working for me and it's not just using the feature because of the feature. Um, so yeah, I could go on forever with that. I think that's, that's in a nutshell kind of what's, what's going on with me. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for that. And I think before we get into, those, into some of those business cases, because um, I love that angle, like, you know, there's always got to be a business case to solve for or else what are we, what are we doing with the tool, really? Um, so as you've seen, uh, like, especially with that MacGyver gene present, uh, as you've seen kind of HubSpot explode in the last couple of years with CMS and Operations Hub and Custom Objects and, you know, Commerce Hub this, uh, this past year, um, just the ability really quickly to change from you know, marketing to sales to CRM to now full, full lead to cash platform, really, um, in some cases. Like, how has that, like, it sounds like if, if you've maybe been wanting to do it for a while with that gene, but only the last few months you've gotten to play with it, how have you, how have you viewed that, that evolution? Absolutely. Um, it's been, and you've noticed this is yourself as well, probably, is that somehow, HubSpot has really stepped on the gas pedal the last couple of, let's say, three quarters of a year or so. Um, and it's been, it, you know, it always feels like a kid in a candy store for me when whenever new updates like that come out. Custom Object was already a big one. Um, Operations Hub took, took me some time to sort of understand, you know, how is this going to help me? Because I, I'm not a developer per se, so working with things like custom code actions took some some learning but once i did get 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 that underway um uh, that was just a fantastic eye opener and um yeah it's been it's super exciting to see what they're doing now also with uh, the crm extensions uh the the react cards that you can build onto records um that for me is an absolute game changer because it it literally gives me the opportunity to solve use cases for some of our customers that have been limits, uh, like let's say a year ago, I had to go to my customer and say, you know, I, I get what you want, but we can't really build that inside of HubSpot. And now a year later, I can go back and say, not only can I build it, but boy, can we can we build something really cool out of it? Like that's um, that's been super interesting to see how HubSpot is is developing. And fortunately for me, in a, in a way that is very much in line with what I would hope they are developing towards. So that's, uh, yeah, that's super exciting to see. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's usually how it works for me as well. Uh, they don't always get there as fast as I want them to, but more often than not, they're surprising me with other thought, other things that I wasn't expecting, but was exactly the thing I would have wanted, you know, had I, had yeah. I been in that yeah. scenario. I love looking at the, at the betas and, you know, uh, understanding what's new and what's coming. Um, you know, they're also really open to feedback, you know, from their, from their partners and just all their users. So it's really cool to be a part of that. Um, so as you've seen that, as you've started play, playing with it, um, can you share some, some use cases you've worked with, uh, related to manufacturing, even, even proof of concept stuff would be interesting to talk mm -hmm. about. Cause overall, I think. Yeah, our goal with this with this show is just to educate on the full, you know, end to end capabilities. Now, I think it's 
it's fun to create that wow moment when, when we can, because it is nice to say, but also challenging uh, to say, yeah, you can do that now. Like, well, I couldn't last year. Like, you're, you're right, but we can now. <laughs> uh, they're moving really fast. So uh, we're just trying to keep up with the education here. So it'd be awesome if you could share some share some stories with us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the main one that, I, that we use, that we've promoted left and right as well a couple of times is one that I'm quite proud of. This was back when um, programmable emails first became a thing uh, inside of uh, HubSpot. I think it's still in beta, it might be. I'm not sure if it's like fully officially released uh, yet, but... Um, it's uh, so the option, if you don't know uh, programmable emails, the idea behind it is that you can um, uh, generate the content of the email based on um, uh, information that is onto the contact record or uh, even on uh, associated records to the contact. Um, and the example that HubSpot uses in, in, in talking about this, and it's really easy to understand, I think, is uh, let's say that you're a real estate um, company and you want to send um your portfolio or items in your uh, real estate listings in your portfolio to people who have specified, like as a, as a customer, I might say, all right, I want, uh, I'm looking for a house in, in this budget range, in this uh, geographical location, and so on and so on. And then you can set up the email to basically uh, send. And then based on the customer's preferences, it will include those custom objects in this case, uh, the real estate uh, custom objects that match those customer criteria. And then basically uh, have the image there and like the, the title and the price and whatever other properties you want to pull from the custom object record into the email. So it's something that I think when you look at um, uh, uh, more B2C type businesses, uh, something that seems very logical to have as a feature, but uh, until they released it, uh, I think this was 2021 or something in the summer, not too sure. Um, it wasn't inside of HubSpot. And um we had one customer in the manufacturing industry. Well, I'm not sure it's manufacturing, but they buy and sell refurbished uh, forklifts. And they're uh, a very large uh, player in at least the Dutch market, but they operate uh, globally. They've got uh, locations in uh, uh, Asia uh, and across Europe. And um, basically, this is uh, they only sell to other uh, vendors, retailers, right? They don't sell to end users, but they send sell to people who sell to end users. Um, and these are these are traders, like these are people who will go onto whatever sourcing site they can find in the morning and just refresh to get the new stock, you know. And they they want uh, the stock as soon as it's available, and then they'll pick up the phone and they say, oh, "I want that one, this one, and that one," and throw in uh, something else for a good deal, you know. And then, bam, the deal is done, and it's couple of uh, tens of thousands of euros in machinery and it just it gets traded like that. Um, so one very important aspect of their business was to be able to send that daily email saying, this is our new stock. They would get like uh, 20 or 30 machines or probably a bit less, like between 10 and 20 machines ready to go every day because their team will be refurbishing them and then putting them up for sale basically. And um, a su significant part of their contact database would be literally at their computer in the morning waiting for that email. And they just migrated from a different system where they had that sort of customly set up and we wanted to build the same thing inside of HubSpot. And um, yeah, I mean, today uh, you've got the product roll up inside of uh, emails now, I think, which looks at your products. Um, uh, but um, 
these because they're one-off machines, right? You get one machine with ID number one, two, three, four, five, and when that one is sold, it's sold. You can't say, okay, get me another one of those because it's all used. Um, so we use custom objects for this. So we had to find a way to get custom objects into emails in such a way that uh, the person creating the email didn't have to go in and say, all right, I'm going to type in the name, you know, put in the picture, type in all of the specs of that particular uh, machine. Um, so we pr approached it in two ways. Basically, we built like a custom email module there where they can uh, uh, just put in the reference number of the uh, machine and it will load all of the specs into like a little card, I guess, inside of the email. And they can just do that by hand. Like if they want to highlight a couple of machines, then they can select the machine that way. Um, and we also built like a custom version of that uh, same module where they can um, uh, basically say, all right, I want to get machines that are of a certain brand or of a certain type, and it will get the most recent ones or um, uh, the, the, the one that we send every day, the stock email, basically. It's fully automated. There's no human being uh, touching that email at all, and it just sends whatever email or whatever machines were added in stock that day. Um, it's multilingual as well. It shows the price or it doesn't based on whether the person receiving it has access to that. Uh, it's got currency uh, stuff in there as well, so it will show the price in a different currency if that's needed. And if for whatever reason the API doesn't provide new machines to the database, like it crashed or there simply are no machines, there's this, uh, a mechanism that we built. It's quite, um, I don't want to say duct tapey, but it, it does work. It, it just doesn't look very elegant when you look at it. Um, it um, blocks the sending, basically. So uh, they okay. will not uh, send like an empty email or something, which we'll have in that case. And yeah, that's a lot of talking about that particular solution, but that's that's one that we're always uh, quite proud of is because we've you know basically said, all right, back when this was still relatively new, custom objects weren't that, uh, that big at that point either, um, is to have found a way to send a dynamic email every day with uh, records from the custom object table, which was... Uh, yeah, it's still one that I'm pretty proud of because of the, how it works, basically. Yeah. yeah, man, I'm so happy to to learn about that. We've got a <laughs> we've got a client trying to do something, you know, similar, and we've been talking about different ways to do that. You know, not only through the communications, but I think via the website too. And um, and that's what's so powerful for me about this system is like, you know, I used to suggest that. Yeah, you know, if you're a, a multifaceted manufacturer, you have all these different business lines. Trying to communicate and message properly to all the different audiences within each business line, trying to do that from a place of one or two marketers or one team, it just feels like, and it is an insurmountable task if you don't have a system in place. So I would suggest, I used to suggest, like you really need these different teams like if you want to grow with this specific product and you need to talk about these specific audiences, that's a, that's a whole team. And if you want to do it with another business line too, you can't just break up that team, like add that hat. It's a whole nother team. Now, well, you still should have different people in charge maybe of those, those lines. You don't need nearly as many people if you're doing the CRM stuff, you know, well, and you're managing the data well. Um, and that's the power of really like, laying these, these marketing sales, uh, you know, service CMS tools just right on top, like completely integrated with the CRM. Like I love, you know, so that use case resonates. And I would imagine what you described with that product card, 
And really that's, for me, a lot of what they're doing right now is bridging the gap between the deal, you know, closed one and the, and the deal management, the sales management and the post-sale stuff. Cause so much of that hinges on the products and the, you know, the deliverables that are going, um, that are being delivered, you know, when, when somebody, when we have a win, right. And we used to have to rely on ERPs and other systems exclusively for that information. We might still get it from there, but if we can bring that stuff into HubSpot, it just makes it, you know, way more accessible to internal teams to support external customers. So that was a great, um, that was a great, uh, use case. Can you talk about some of the impact it had on, on that business? Yeah, a hundred percent against, uh, this is, and that's what I love about manufacturing as well. Right. I don't know if, how it is in the States, but here in the Netherlands, anyway, most manufacturers are let's, let's say 10 years in the past in terms of, uh, adoption of like new technology and all that stuff. And uh, this, this use case particular, um, this is, uh, it, it, they're a relatively small team, even though they're pretty, pretty large in terms of, uh, uh the amount of business that they do. Uh, they've got one marketing person who is, uh, you know, doing a fantastic job, but she's been at the business for over 30 years now, I think. Um, and she, she, they have in-house like a, a copy studio, literally where they would in, let's say the early nineties, uh, put together magazines for the business that they would mail order, uh, uh, deliver through mail, um, where they would literally put the pictures in with tape or something and, and, you know, have it be scanned and printed into, into physical copy. Um, and before we came, it's I mean, obviously that wasn't the situation before we came in with HubSpot, but, um, uh, uh, she did have to, like when she did, uh, uh, apart from the daily stock email, she would send promotional emails every now and then that would be literally building out that email, right? Like saying, right, drag in a title element, put in a, an image, uh, put in, uh, you know, this is the, 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 the year the thing was built. This is the mileage. This is the price. Will I ever put all the specs in there? And I suppose she could clone the stuff, but she still had to manually edit the email, basically, which uh, since they're sending it out in, I think, nine languages or something like that, it's just a huge time sink. So what we did was, A, make that multilingual so that um, the, like the reference to, for example, the, the type of engine that's in there, diesel or gasoline or whatever, gets automatically translated to, uh, to the proper language and make it so that she can just type in the reference numbers and I want this machine, that machine, this machine, done, send. You know, which is just the impact of that is it's very noticeable in terms of the amount of time that she spends on creating and sending emails. So that's um, uh, that's a relatively simple one. But um, yeah, that's that's what I like about uh, uh, about for the manufacturing business um, is that if it, it's not always easy to make an impact because in my experience they do tend to be businesses that have very bespoke wishes because of how the business line is set up. Um, and HubSpot does, I mean, that's what's improving now, but, but, but let's say three years ago or something, it's still pretty uh, cookie cutter CRM, I would say, um, which makes it difficult to, to, to recommend something like HubSpot fully, which I always found challenging to recommend it fully to, uh, to a business that has very specific needs. But more and more nowadays, I'm actually able to say, yes, we can do this inside of HubSpot and not have to feel like, yes, we can do this, but we kind of have to build this workaround. You know, it's becoming less and less the case that I have to say, 
sure, let me put my thinking hat on and, and come up with some kind of wacky solution. I can just say, sure, this is something that's supported uh, out of the box or with some custom uh, customization. Yeah, and we do have an episode coming up about uh, like standardization versus customization. I think that's going to be super interesting topic moving forward as HubSpot kind of grows into, you know, this all customizable platform. Um, I'd argue that some of the messes we run into when it comes to tech stacks is because uh, you you enjoy having this blank slate type of software that allows you to do whatever you want. When in lots of cases, you just you can get yourself into trouble when you do stuff like that. Yeah, um, it's just when I like quickly one thing that I love about that new those new React cards. Um, uh, I don't know if you've experimented with them at all yet, but uh, you know the idea that you can you can build serverless functions, which can to some extent be whatever you want them to be or do whatever you want them to do. Uh, but the front end of it, like the side that you see inside of HubSpot, HubSpot purposefully said, all right, you can only use these, let's say HubSpot approved or HubSpot branded building blocks, like a button or a progress bar and all of that stuff. And it looks and feels the HubSpot style. And I think just as a sort of a, I don't know, preview to your next episode, that's exactly what I think is a great marriage of standardization versus customization. They can build a custom, but it's still presented in, uh, in such a way inside of the interface that whoever's using it feels like they're using sort of one system that's not like a patchwork of all kinds of different iframes with different looks and feels and different button colors and all of that stuff, which just to me feels like a nightmare of, uh, of an interface if you have to work with stuff like that. Yeah, certainly the the usability, like as they they introduce the new stuff, like you know conditional properties for an exam as an example, like what are the biggest wish list items forever, you know always got in the way of of you know uh, a comparison with Salesforce, um, in my experience, but now that they've delivered it, just like with no training, it's just so intuitive. <laughs> to how, how yeah. you set it up in the interface and like when they do bring in these features just you can tell there's always like they're they really mean it when they say the core focus is user experience and usability of the platform in a way that helps you know whoever is using it grow like because it's not gonna we could customize the hell out of it but that if if that person that's in charge of the crm leaves or you know something happens and you can't maintain it now like what's the good like the customization is no longer doing doing you good so um yeah it's been exciting to see that with the crm cards and just as they continue to do that uh, it's been super eye-opening the past few months that i've been inside the ecosystem it's kind of how they think about stuff and you know why the system is so usable is really really fun to see absolutely yeah and i think it's it's um one thing, like you mentioned it earlier as well, is is, is trying to because we see that right. You and I, as, as, as super admins, and probably multiple portals for our customers, we get so much experience with this stuff. We we almost instinctively know, oh, this is going to be a great change, or this is you know groundbreaking. What I think is the big challenge now, especially since the velocity of those updates is so great, is um, trying to educate all of that to the end user. Uh, helping them not just understand the, the features, but understand sort of the philosophy behind the product that they purchased, 
And some companies get that, right? They're already invested in going to say, yeah, we want HubSpot to be sort of like the, the core of our, of our RevOps or front office uh, sort of chain. And we understand that everything is linked together. But um, there's so many businesses where I see uh, the potential. And I was like, oh, oh, you still use that system to, to, for your CRM and we're interacting with it from marketing. You could really make this a lot better if you just use HubSpot for it. But, you know, that's a, that's a very difficult conversation to have unless they start to experience the pain themselves. And I think that's, that's um, it's, it's not, I, I don't want to say it's the most fun part of my job, but it's, it's, uh, it's interesting to try and channel that, that enthusiasm that I have about the tool, you know, jumping around like some Duracell bunny about whatever new updates there are into serious face. This could be a great business case for you if you moved part of your business to HubSpot and, and explaining how that could work. And that's, uh, yeah, that's it. So what advice do you have for, for manufacturing companies that, you know, are, are thinking about a change are just starting with HubSpot, you know, maybe they've only used, you know, like the marketing hub only, you know, and, and they still think that's, that's all it can do. Like what advice do you have for, for those folks? That's a tricky one. Um, I would say, I think it's difficult because it depends a lot on, on exactly what, what processes you have. But maybe that's, that's the thing is um, uh, have some good documentation about what your processes look like. And um, it's, it's going to be hard to say up front, like, and probably HubSpot can do it. <laughs> but, uh, 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 you know, take good inventory of what your process looks like. Why do you do the things you do right now? Are they 100% necessary? Uh, does everybody actually do it that way? It's not so much advice I would say about uh, have a look at HubSpot, but more like an advice about have a look at your your, your operational chain, I would say. Uh, I sometimes feel like, and it's not to um, underestimate uh, what it, like I don't want to underestimate uh, the complexity of their business chains, but sometimes I feel like they overestimated it a little bit. Like some things could probably be simpler than they actually are right now. And then you could use HubSpot to, to achieve that. Um, uh, whereas upfront, especially if they're not, um, if it's not the person that you're talking to who's, who's thinking it in terms of processes, they might be like a sales director or a supply manager or whatever. Um, they tend to have obviously put a lot of gravity into this is, you know, it's a serious stuff. This is my process. It's very important that it happens well, and it's very complex. Um, maybe they don't even want to really change to HubSpot, but then you have to sort of uh, advise them or convince them of it anyway. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, if you break it down into uh, uh, parts, what your process looks like, why you do certain things uh, in, in a certain way that you do them, I think they'll find that there's a lot of, well, maybe not a lot, but there might be stuff in there that they can... Uh, scrap out or, or, or definitely improve on. But I don't have like a, a golden nugget of advice, I would say. I could probably think of one, just not on the spot right now. <laughs> well, I think that's it. I mean, like just understanding your current state, I think, yeah. is difficult for most companies. Uh, and it's understandable. I mean, they've been doing something a certain way for 50 years. It's been successful, uh, sometimes massively successful, uh, until the last few years when the supply chain just got destroyed and you had to rethink how you're serving customers and you don't have people in offices and, you know, just everything changed. And for me, it always comes back to 
you know, digital transformation, even whether you like that word or not, right? That's what we're doing here. And, uh, you know, we keep seeing that, like, these are modern tools in a lot of cases, like HubSpot is not the only one that can do some of this stuff for you. Uh, and a lot of them, you know, when you have open APIs and customizability and they can do whatever you want them to do with enough time and money. Um, <laughs> but asking questions like what happens when it's in place? How easy is it to maintain? Am I attached to like a managed services contract? You know, uh, and is it going to take as long? Like, I think that's, you know, some of the fun I'm going to have this year is like just showing what's possible and, and doing it in a way it's clear. It's not going to take 12 months. It doesn't have to take hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like these tools are now available to you and they're, and they're available in a way that just doesn't have the same costs that things like this used to have. Right. I have, I've got one actually, now that you're talking about this, I think the, a big pr bit of the advice would be take a look at your business process from your customer's perspective, right? Just going back to the question that you posed me at the beginning, what does a customer platform look like? Um, have a good hard look at how your business process looks right now and determine at each step basically what is the impact of doing it this way for the customer in terms of the amount of time that it takes them, the quality of the service that they're getting or whatnot. And it might be that you find quite a lot of hoops that you feel that you have to jump through right now that um, uh, uh, they may be good for your business, but they're not that great for your customer, the end experience. And this is something that, um, uh, I don't know if it was with you that I discussed this, but um, how there's another project that we're, we're actually about to, uh, to launch, which I'm really excited about, um, is, is building HubSpot against an ERP system, NetSuite, um, to serve primarily as a, a customer service platform uh, with potential expansion into like a, a retailer platform and all that, that kind of stuff as well, um, where we had that discussion about um, the ERP system can do a lot of these things. That's something that the internal, uh, the customer had as an internal discussion as well. Why don't we just build this inside of the ERP? Um, but um, what's what what's something that you quickly discover is that especially something as, let's say, I don't want to say archaic. It's a bit of a mean word, but like a, a, a more uh, a platform that's been around for quite a long time and, and probably is is quite set in its ways and is not transforming that rapidly. Um, uh, might might technically offer things that you could employ for customer service, but it it it's not built with the end customer in mind. It's built with the process in mind, and that's it's not necessarily a bad thing. But those two don't always align, and I think especially you know that's what I love about the philosophy of HubSpot is that that it seems much more to be built around how is the end end customer going to experience working with your business and. Um, uh, that's, I think, an often overlooked factor. It's often being, if they select a new tool for CRM or whatever else uh, that HubSpot would be uh, evaluated for, is that it's looked only at uh, from a perspective of how does this impact our processes? You know, what kind of steps would this mean for our process? And not enough thought is given to what would this mean for the customer experience in the end. And that's, uh, I think that would be the nugget of wisdom. <laughs> I want to... Yeah. Uh, no, retract my previous answer and put that one forward. <laughs> no, I think it's all related because, like, 
you do have to really understand your processes to understand how they impact the customer as well. And that's probably like a whole facet of those processes that you haven't even thought about. Uh, like I've had some success of getting that understanding. Um, you know, when you're asking the question, cause you hear like, you need to be customer centric, customer experience is the differentiator. But like when you're used to running your business out of something like an ERP, like you've been focused on margin management, inventory management, profitability, all internal stuff, right? And when you ask systems like that to all of a sudden manage customer relationships at the same time, that they're just not built to do that, whether they're traditional, you know, systems or not, right? They're ERPs. They're supposed to do ERP things. Um, but asking the question, so like, there's just so much around the customer, like if you can ask yourself questions like, does the customer, do we ever want to show this piece of data like to a customer is one I like it, like to ask. And that's where if the answer is yes, and it's buried in an ERP or the customer facing team always has to ask somebody else for that piece of data, it's not a system built around the customer experience. Like you got to be able to serve that data up readily if you're on a call or, or via email or, you know, best case scenario, self-service, you know, via website when it, when it makes sense. So love yeah. that, yeah. that <laughs> advice. Um, uh, so we're going to do a little bit of a rapid fire here, uh, around HubSpot itself. Um, so sure. bring it on most underrated HubSpot tool. Underrated. Uh, this is, I think there's going to be quite a few that I think people would use more, but at least in my neck of the woods, uh, it's playbooks. It, or it might not be playbooks factually, but I think it's playbooks. Um, uh, it's uh, the stuff that you can do with that in terms of uh, onboarding and adhering to specific processes, especially now that you can put videos and everything inside it and literally create records from within a playbook and store the data that you save in there into contact properties. It makes the whole um, interaction that your users have with the system that much more satisfactory, I think, uh, while at the same time making the cleanliness of your data uh, uh, that much better. Let's put it that way. Um, I don't know if I've got time for that, but I just want to quickly drop this one example that I saw. I don't know if you know the same uh, video example. Um, is a guy who shows off how he used playbooks in combination with a custom object for jobs to do the handover of salespeople to the people who actually had to deliver the product for a roofing company. And he uses playbooks in adherence with like a, a, a field-based level permissions so that uh, salespeople could not move a deal to the close one stage unless they had the full job playbook completed with all of the information that was needed for the for the roofer to actually put down the roof, which you can build all of that stuff. And it takes a little bit of customization, a little bit of going outside of the, the very uh, easy to understand stuff inside of HubSpot, but it's really not that difficult. And it just completely transforms the way you work, I think, with uh, with your system. So. That's uh, for me. It's playbooks. Yeah, definitely would want to uh, implement that more on my side. Yeah, yeah, I love that. That's definitely one of the one of the more underrated for sure. Uh, most overrated HubSpot tool. From a marketing perspective, I am very tempted to say lead scoring. 
and um, that's and not everybody will agree with me on this, but uh, and it's not so much the tool itself because the concept on paper is really nice, but the way that I've seen it used in let's say ninety five percent of scenarios is uh, people will uh, go and build a uh, completely baseless uh, lead scoring model where they go and say, all right, somebody opens my email mobile, 10 points, you know, um, and then they get, I don't know, 50 points. And then they're going off to sales because they're qualified simply because they opened an email, visit the pricing page and uh, maybe submitted a particular form or something. And I feel like I, I'm still not sure if I like the idea of lead scoring. Like I've seen it used wrongly so many times or poorly. Um, but for me, I think because you've got the lifecycle stage property, right? With uh, subscriber lead, marketing qualified lead, sales qualified lead. For me personally, especially especially if you're a little bit into the whole demand gen sort of flow right now, um, I like to consider customers or prospects as either they're in market to buy something right now. They have a bleeding neck, you know, uh, that's like 1% of your market, probably your total addressable market, or they're not. And they're at some stage of wanting to be educated, but it sure as hell isn't going to be a nice linear journey. So it's kind of related to that in the sense that uh, people trying to jam everybody through a neatly organized funnel from left to right. Whereas that whole front stuff before they actually raise their hand and say, Hey, I want to buy from you is just, it's the maze. And, uh, I feel like tools like that, like lead scoring or uh, like the lifecycle stages, uh, in most cases won't exactly work as neatly as they're presented. And that's, uh, I think lead I think scoring we, for me is the, is the biggest criminal there. <laughs> I think we just became best friends, Bob. Uh, <laughs> yeah, lead scoring is always one of those things that people ask for, especially from outside of the marketing department. It's just so hard to get it right. Like, it's not that you cannot get it right, but to do it well, you just need so much behavioral data and like engagement data to understand that you're not just, you know, underqualifying or overqualifying people. And, yeah. you know, to your second point, I agree. Like, if you agree with this, this new model of just in market versus out of market, then there's no score. Like, the person raises their hand, that's the signal you talk to them. Like, and, yeah, and that's it, yeah. right? Um, so love that. Uh, most misunderstood HubSpot tool? Uh, by me or by, <laughs> by the, the general populace? Um, Either way. It might also be lead scoring, but I'll go with something else. Uh, um, uh, I'm trying to think of something. I think it's, it's, it's not really a tool, but I want to say marketing contacts. It's more of a funny one because I always get as a response to, hey, we need to manage your amount of marketing contacts. I say, no, 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 we've got permission to mail email all of these folks. As people don't seem to understand that marketing contacts is just the way that HubSpot determines whether you're paying for the contacts or not. Uh, right. It's the it's the um, uh, uh, because of the, the naming, right, marketing contact. Are you able to send emails to them? And I go, yeah, we, we've got like we've got permission or they, they ticked the a box. And then I always have to explain it. Tick in the box is one thing. That's your like your GDPR or whatever you want to call it, like your your subscription part. But then there's another part that's purely financial. It's are you paying for these customers or these contacts to be able to send them uh, emails? And that's uh, something that I, I always have to explain at least three times in a, in a call to to get it really through to them that it's not about the the opt in. Yeah. No, that's 
that's a good one. I could probably use a little more understanding myself on that one. Mm. Um, how about your top wish list item for HubSpot? Oh, I'm sure that there's one on there. Um, I can't think of one right now, but yeah, I've got one, but it's, I'm sure there's better ones. I just can't think of them right now. Uh, one that I uh, uh, hope for, it's, it's a little bit more towards reporting, is uh, forms. Um, they need to have, I need to be able to segment or filter better on interaction that contacts, contacts have had with forms. Um, and I'll give you an example right now. If I want to create inside of a list or inside of a, a trigger for a workflow, um, the uh, let's say that I want to get all of the people who submitted one of two forms in a certain time period. I can, I can do neither of those things easily. If I want to say they've submitted any of the following forms, let's say that I need five or 20 or something, right? 20 forms. It could be if you've got a multilingual setup and you've got like uh, at least 20 different forms up in the air and you, in 10 languages, then you've got 200 forms. So let's say that I only want to select one form, but in, in 20 different languages, that's 20 forms in my portal. If I want to uh, check if they've submitted any of those, I need to create one filter group that says they've submitted this form because I can only select one or any form at all. So I cannot select this, 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 and that form, and no, no other forms. So I, what I need to do is create one filter group, clone it, clone it 20 times, or however many times, and then change the form in each of those. And then I also cannot uh, filter on, um, uh, uh, have they submitted it in the last X days? Or I can do this, oh no wait, this is with uh, page visits, but it's a similar frustration. Um, let's say that for lead scoring, right? I want to set up something that says, have they visited our website at least five times in the past month? I can do at least five times or in the past month, but I can't do both. <laughs> so it's, it's little things like that. And this, I mean, if you're listening, you're not going, oh my God, HubSpot can't do anything. No, these are little frustrations, you know, in the large scale of things, but it always gets me riled up when, especially in those bigger portals, they go, can you quickly make me a list of uh, all the people who submitted this form? And I'm sat there clicking like a chump. <laughs> it does feel like that. It's just like, oh my God, this, this should be smarter. <laughs> I think my takeaway yeah. is that us English only marketers have it, have it pretty easy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Here in Europe, that's a nightmare. So if you've got an international right. company, that's at least like 10 different languages you're dealing with already. So yeah. yeah, man, I think it'd be good to have you back on and just talk about that. I know there's some lots of tools available that I've looked into in the past to help with that. Um, but yeah, man, thanks for, thanks for sharing that list. Absolutely. Um, yeah. you know, what's, I guess, what's your last piece of advice, uh, for any listeners just trying to optimize, you know, their HubSpot setup, uh, for manufacturing? Uh, this is again, it's a hard one cause there's probably advice everywhere, but, um, I think just, just to start at the, at the core of things is, uh, check your data. If you're up, if you're at a point now where you feel like there's a lot to optimize, then step one is probably to look at your data model uh, inside of HubSpot, right alongside look at your process. Um, uh, but uh, look at your data model. Are there, uh, does it make sense the way it's set up right now? Um, you know, are there things that are currently set up as single line text fields that should really be drop down fields or number fields, things like that, you know? Um, uh, are there double properties? Uh, are there better ways you could you could you could organize your properties? Um, 
things like that because it's the core of a lot of the stuff that you build around it inside of HubSpot. So um, review the data platform or the data model. Awesome. I think that would be the one of them. But yeah, and if you have Operations Hub and you haven't been to the data quality dashboard yet, you know, please go. HubSpot is starting to do a lot of this work for you. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Awesome, Bob. Well, thanks so much you know, for being here and sharing your insights today. Um, you know, I think this has been super helpful for our listeners that are trying to better understand you know, HubSpot in general as a full platform, but also for, for manufacturing. Uh, where, can, where can people reach out and find you? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, for me uh, personally on LinkedIn, it's just Bob Balm, uh, first name, last name. I'm sure it's somewhere around here. Um, uh, love to hang out there. Uh, I'm not as present there as I would like to be. Uh, the Sparkadeer community is also a big one. If you're a HubSpot super admin or, or just an admin in general for HubSpot, uh, find that one and, and join us there because uh, both me and Chris are on there. Um, and yeah, begradient.com is the website for the for our company. So uh, yeah, if you're in Europe and you need HubSpot support, <laughs> that's uh, where you would find us. Um, oh yeah, I'm, I'm also on Instagram under the same handle, but that's my photography hobby, which is another thing that I do a lot. So. Oh, there you it's go. It's got nothing we'll to do with HubSpot. Check that out. Hey. <laughs> hey. Yeah. It all helps to have the, have the whole picture sometimes. Awesome, man. Cool. Well, thanks so much for coming on. And uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah. Until next time, we'll, we'll see you.